just up the freeway here, um, just a couple miles up the freeway here on the 60, there's a couple of young people, maybe a little bit over a thousand of them gathered um, in protest, exercising, exercising their right. And a lot of them are hurt, a lot of them are angry, a lot of them feel alone. And while I was worshiping, I was asking God, you know, what's on your mind, Lord? And he asked me, am I not worthy of those young people that are out there? And I said, yes, God, you are worthy of them. And so he said, so what are you going to do about it? So why don't you guys join me on your feet if you're not already standing? And why don't you join me tonight in intercession for these young people? Whether they're Hispanic, black, Asian, white, European, it doesn't matter. For in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither female nor male. There are only children of God in the eyes of the Lord. And the eyes that he has burn with fire. Oh God, I pray for these young people, Lord. That they would have visions, God. Come on, church, lift up your voice. Father, I pray that these young people would have visions, Lord, of your beautiful and wonderful face, God. That they would see your eyes, Lord. How it burns, God. Your eyes burn with passion for us, God. You are worthy of these lives, of these souls, Lord. And I intercede for these young people, God, right now. I remove, God, the principalities of the air. I rebuke the arches, God, that are redefining our mindset in this world, God. I ask you for these souls, Lord. Father, shine your face upon them tonight. As you shine your face upon us here today, Lord. You are pouring out your spirit on all flesh. No exceptions, God. Come on, keep praying. You are worthy of these lives, Lord. I rebuke the spirit of rebellion, God. I rebuke the spirit of rebellion, Lord. And I, re I replace it with the spirit of love and peace and righteousness and joy, Lord. Yes, Jesus. You are healing God. Yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Awaken the dawn. You are worthy, Lord. You're so worthy, God. We love you, Lord, in this place, God. Tell the Lord that you love him tonight. Thank you, Lord. You may have your seat tonight. So, um, received greetings from our pastor. Uh, he's, uh, he's in um, San Juan Capistrano marrying a couple tonight. So that's awesome. Good news. That's good news. Um, and then they're, they're taking the weekend off. So he was texting me earlier. He was asking me to do stuff. And I just told him, can you please just focus on vacation? <laughs> so, um, yeah, they say hello. Um, but they won't be thinking about you guys this weekend. 
Um, I just feel, I don't know, we'll figure out when we're going to do this. Um, I told myself I wasn't going to take a long time, but you know that I'm a liar when it comes to that. <laughs> I feel like God is saying, won't we do what he's doing? And what he's doing is pouring out his spirit on all flesh. So God is asking if you would pour out his spirit on all flesh. So I don't know if that question makes sense to you. But it's something that I've been thinking about. And God is asking, and maybe through the message you'll kind of get it. God is asking, won't you pour out his spirit on all flesh with him? Amen. All right, you guys are going to have to be a little louder today. Um, <clears throat> I'm a little nervous, but just give me some amens or at least cough or something um, to uh, make some noise besides the air conditioning. So let's go ahead and just pray. How about we start with that? So, Father, thank you for this night. Thank you for spontaneity. Thank you for being good and kind. Uh, thank you because you are worthy, and because you are worthy, you make us worthy, Lord. Bless this message, God. Um, please bless this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. <clears throat> so, my message today is called Position and Timing. For those of you taking notes, my message is called Position and Timing. I want to share with you from a kingdom perspective how we are living in the most amazing time. I want to show you how as followers of Christ, you are positioned now, today, to bring redemption, restoration, reformation, and revival. But you will need to do what is difficult and inconvenient for others. So let's go ahead and read, uh, we're going to go ahead and read Luke uh, chapter 11. It's going to be verses 5 through 8. So why don't you go ahead and open up to Luke 11. And we're going to start on verse 5. And um, I'm going to read the passage. And I want to lay down some groundwork. And see if I can't uh, properly articulate what's on my heart tonight. Does that sound good? Amen. amen. Give me an amen when you're there. If not, it'll be up on the screen for you. Okay, so Luke 11, verse 5. If you don't know, I know the words are in white, but um, if you have a Bible, they might be in red. This is Jesus speaking. He just got done teaching the disciples how to pray the, the Our Father prayer. So Jesus is speaking and he says, suppose you have a friend, right? He's telling a parable. And you go to him at midnight. And you say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, get up. Suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of your friendship, because of your shameless audacity, right, to keep knocking, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So to lay down uh, a historical context here for you, we just read a parable that Jesus is talking about, obviously during biblical times, right? And so if you think about those times, most people, and I did a little bit of research, and I found that most people in that time actually traveled at night, right, because they're living in the desert. So they're not going to want to travel during the day for obvious reasons. Um, so a lot of people would travel at night. And they would do this to avoid the heat. And they would do this to kind of be under, kind of like under that cover. So also, if people are traveling at night, sometimes their destinations are going to be, the arrival, you could say, to their destination is going to be somewhere in the middle of the night, maybe even early in the morning, um, if not at first sunlight. And so since 
back then, naturally, there was no cell phones. There was no way of communicating, no way to, you know, send a text message or, um, you know, just a message and say, hey, I'm coming over. You're, you're naturally always going to show up unannounced. Okay? But in my research, what I found is that Israel in that time, what, they, what, what was one of their values was hospitality. So even if somebody showed up to your house unannounced, even if it was an inconvenient time for you, even if it was the middle of the night, it was a custom for you and it was a valued custom that you would show this individual, that you would show this person hospitality, that you would get up and, and greet them, that you would welcome them. And obviously, you know, when we've gone on road trips and stuff like that, you always want a snack for the road. So imagine somebody arriving to their destination with their supplies depleted already, hungry and tired, and they show up to their friend's house. And so hospitality says you have to, or not you have to, but you should give me something to eat because I'm hungry. So here in the story, we have three uh, friends, you could say. You have the person that just arrived, and then you have the person who is um, in his home. His friend comes over, and he actually doesn't have any food to feed his friend. The other thing that you should know is that Historically speaking, in those times, people only made enough food for the day, right? There was no fridge. There was no, you know, let's put this in the, in the microwave or let's put this in, like, the toaster oven. There was probably no foil paper. It was just blankets, and that was it. So people only cooked for the day. So in this story, what I want you to see is that a friend shows up to a friend's house. Now this, this, this I feel like I should give them names. Let's say, let's say Tom is on a, on, a, on a journey, right? And he arrives to Edwin's house. And so now Edwin has to go to Amaris' house to get some bread. You guys cool? You guys got all the players? If not, I'll bring them up here. And I'll be Tom. So, so now Edwin has to kind of decide what is he going to do. Back in those days, communication was really important in the small villages. There wasn't, you know, the entertainment back then wasn't like it is today, where you're constantly being able to uh, flip the TV on, um, go on social media, or uh, go to the movies or whatnot. Entertainment back then was fellowship and community with one another, talking with one another, sharing stories. So naturally in those stories, while you're um, just hanging out, talking, it's going to naturally come up in those days, hey, guess what, like today I made some extra bread, and I've got some extra bread. So if you're hungry later on, come hit me up, and I got, I got you, don't worry, I got some extra bread. So Amaris made extra bread for the day, got that? And Edwin doesn't have any more bread. So here, Edwin has to make a difficult decision, but thankfully he has a friend who has bread. So communication back then was key. Are you guys good with the story? Make sense? Okay. So that's kind of like the historical context. And that's, that's, that's kind of like where I want to take you today. Uh, and metaphorically speaking, and apply it to us now. So now let's go ahead and relate this to us. As I was thinking about what to share tonight, God had already started speaking to me um, probably like a week, uh, a, a week or two ago about this passage and for, for so long, I used to think that this story was just about two people, about the guy knocking, asking for the bread, and the guy already in, in, in bed. But the story is actually about three people. It's about the person that arrived hungry and tired and is in need. And so when I read this story and I think about how it relates to us, the way I see it is that we are each character in this story at different times in our lives. So at different times in your life, you will find yourselves as one of these uh, persons. And simultaneously, the other person will be Jesus or the world. So I want to break the first one down for you. The first one I want to talk to you about is the guy who's in bed. When I was reading this story... The first thing that came to my mind was that sometimes as a church, we can get too comfortable. Sometimes we're the person that's tucked away in bed. Sometimes we're the one that already locked up the door, turned off all the lights, 
don't bother me, I'm going to sleep, I'm comfortable, I've fallen into my rhythm, into my flow, and I don't want to be disturbed. But this, this person has something. He has a supply of something, and it's needed. And just like this person, the church sometimes can get too comfortable when, we ha- when, when in reality we need to get up. The redemptive work of Jesus Christ needs us to get up. It needs us to stand up. It needs us to, to perhaps go through a moment of inconvenience, right? Like how Blue was saying when he opened up prayer today, that sometimes you're not going to want to do certain things. Do them anyway, especially if they're good works. Don't do them out of religion or out of spite or out of force. Sometimes what I do is I'll tell God, God, I really don't feel like doing this right now, but I want you to know that I'm going to do it anyways. And I know that you're going to see it as a sacrifice, and I'm going to bring it before you, and I'm going to worship you through this inconvenience or whatever it may be, Lord. And once you get into the presence, you don't even remember it anymore. So the church needs to stand up. The church is too comfortable inside of four walls. Let's say these four walls our our bedroom back in those days a lot of homes actually only had one room there was like a a little rise on the floor where the mattress was and the family would sleep together so here we are inside of four walls sitting comfortably in our chairs but what God is saying is that he needs us to get up and go outside and open the doors so that people could come in does that make sense So the redemptive work of Christ needs us to go into cities. It needs us to go into industries. It needs us to go into schools. It needs us to take a stance. It needs us to to wake up and be relevant contributors to culture and to influence the mindsets of people living around us every single day. Wherever you go, wherever you are, Ask yourself, have I gotten too comfortable at work? Have I gotten too comfortable at school? Have I gotten too comfortable in my own home that I take for granted the position that God has given me and allowed me? And remember that the timing that God says you were born for such a time as this. The other reason why we need to stand up is because when we stand up, darkness fades. When we, when we stand up, it's like there's a radio frequency of evil traveling. But when we stand up, we disrupt that communication. When we walk around our homes, when we pray, when we ask people how they're doing, when we say, hey, that shirt looks good on you, I like your hair, or you smile at someone, or you say good morning, you're disrupting the flow of just the normal, like, stagnant. And you are shining a light. So this person is tucked into bed. And he's with his family. And he is being told to get out of bed. And back in, in, in those days, it was custom that friendship was, was valued. And if a friend came and asked you for something, it was rare if they didn't do it for you. Like you do you guys have a, a friend that just has your back, like no matter what? Or do you know a person that you call them up and in an instant they're there? That's what friendship was like. In those times. The second person is, uh, we named him Edwin. This is a person that is now hosting the friend, the tired friend. And he has no bread. And sometimes this is us. Sometimes we step into the position where we're, where we're, where we're agreeing to what God has called us to and we accept the position God has called us to, but now we're going to be confronted with life. And now we're going to be confronted with making the hard decisions. Back then it was customary to be hospitable and it was customary to value your friendship. So this guy is genuinely faced with the hard decision. Do I go wake up my friend in the middle of the night or do I let my other friend go hungry? That's a hard decision. Because they didn't value one person over the other. It was friendship and it was hospitality warring inside this person. And he was saying, what do I do? So he decides to go and knock. And Jesus says, just in case 
He doesn't open the door because of friendship. He'll open it if you keep knocking. But I want you to notice one thing, that the guy uh, in this story, right, we name him Edwin, he knew exactly where to go. Why? Because he was in communication with his friend. He knew exactly where to go. So the person in bed, you could say, in this story is Jesus. Because Jesus now sits on the throne. And Jesus sits in heavenly places. And Jesus has, has overcome the enemy. And Jesus is the king of peace. And so sometimes we think, oh, I don't want to bother Jesus with, with my ask or seeking and knocking in the middle of the night or early in the morning. Or I don't want to bother my friend in the middle of the night for advice or for help. But Jesus is saying here, even if he doesn't do it because of friendship, he will do it because you are persistent. So Jesus is asking you, how much better am I? And if you keep knocking and you do what you need to do proactively to seek God, to knock, to go after him with all you got, that door is going to open really fast for you. It's going to be like when you're running up to something to try to like knock and the door opens and then you like go with it. That's Jesus. But you have to knock. You have to ask. You have to seek I wrote for this position, in order to bring the redemptive, uh, in order to bring redemption, reformation, restoration, revival into this world, we will need perspective. And perspective only comes from communicating with your friend, which is Jesus, or with your friends, which is your brothers and your sisters. When we need something, we want to be effective naturally. So we go to Jesus, who is our friend. We pray, seek, knock, we intercede. And again, here Jesus is saying, just come boldly and I will answer. The third position is, is the person that just arrived, right? I called him Tom. The person that just arrived from the long trip in the middle of the night, hungry and tired he arrived unannounced sometimes that's us in life but it's not that we're it's not so much that we're arriving unannounced but it's that life can sometimes be unannounced it's not like panic calls you up or or bad news or um a bad day calls you up and says hey uh you know How's it going? Should we schedule that panic attack for tomorrow at 7.30? Yeah, that sounds good. I'll be chilling in my living room. No, it comes when you're like in the meeting at work. Or the news comes when you have a million things to do at work. Or it comes when you're trying to take care of the house. When life happens, it comes unannounced sometimes. And so what I wrote is that sometimes we're that person. Not that we show up unannounced, but that life happens to us sometimes, unannounced. What I wrote down here is life isn't always going to be convenient. But this friend knew exactly where to go. Even if it was the middle of the night, he went to his friend. And I want you to know that the people here, that we're not just friends with, with we're friends with each other. But there are other friends of ours that maybe we haven't even met yet that are in need, that are traveling and that are tired, that are maybe wanderingly aimlessly, and they need help. A lot of times we may feel like we don't have need for our friends. But this is, this is what I wrote down, and if you're writing notes, you could, you could write it down, but... This is uh, talking about fellowship and essentially leaning on each other. Life isn't always going to be convenient. But I know this personally as a married man that if I want to go fast, I'll end up alone. If I want to go fast, I'll end up alone. Right, that saying that if you want to go fast, go alone. 
If I want to go far, I will need to go with my wife. And in the future, with our kids. Because the moment I abandon the concept of family, I have stepped away from kingdom. And have chosen where to level off on the effectiveness of my influence. See, God calls us friends. So why wouldn't we call each other friend? Why wouldn't we call the people out there that are in need friend? Why wouldn't we lean on each other and, and expect each other to, to be there when we're in need? We must go where we are going together. If not, there is no going. We can try hard, but we won't be effective. Because the whole concept of Jesus' gospel, of the kingdom, is family. It's family-oriented. And the moment you sing, the, the Bible says that he who separates himself seeks his own, I think it says agenda. But we're not here to seek our own personal agenda. We're here to seek the agenda of Jesus Christ. And when we move together as a family, our effectiveness will, 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 will have so much increase and impact in this world. Amen. What I wrote here also is that we cannot bring reformation unless we love those around us, all of them. In this story, I want you to see, uh, I was listening to a preaching today. And in the story, can you put the verses back up? Um, put up verse, verse 5. So it says, Suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. I heard a preaching today and I had been asking God, why three? Was it the size of the bread? Was it, what was it? There was, there was one person that showed up. He's the hungry one. So it's just one person. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you just need one loaf of bread? Naturally, God is a God of abundance. So he provides more than what you need, always. But what I want you to see is that in this story, there are three people. There's a person in need, there's a person with information, and there's a, a person with supply. And he's asking for three breads. And when we think of God, he is a holy trinity. He is a three-dimensional God. The Bible says that a righteous person leaves an inheritance for his children's children's. That's three people. Three generations. The word says that there is cloud of witnesses watching. Why? Because not all the promises that God gives us are going to be fulfilled in our lifetime. We may pass away, but we will join the cloud of witnesses and we will watch the promises that God gave us come through our children and through their children. We cannot live outside of the context of family. The moment we step outside of the context of family... We've chosen where the blessing stops. God is a three-dimensional God. And he never wants you to do anything just for self-gain or self-ambition. God wants you to have the context long-term. That what you do today isn't necessarily going to be for you. But it could be for your children. And the blessings that we receive today aren't always necessarily from what we've done. Sometimes they might be from your parents or your parents' parents. Amen? So let me give you, the, the, the message is called uh, positions and timing, right? We just discussed some positions and the timing of them and how that relates to us. So let me give you um, now uh, some personal examples. Like let me bring the examples into the context of, of grace and love. Of our church. You've been here before, right? <laughs> so let me bring you some examples. And I'm not singling anybody out. I'm not talking about anybody. I'm just talking about us as a family. And when we're family, we put everything on the table and we talk about it. Amen? You guys trust me? You guys love me? Thank you. If you look at our church, we go from, we have a couple of young people to, and I mean like, you know, like Katie and Jeremiah, um, Amber, and then we jump 
we like skip, we have, then we have like Abel and Kayla, and then we go into the 20s, and we have a couple of people in their 20s, right? Um, all of us are here, are in our 20s. There's nobody in the 30s. And, okay, there's a couple of people in their 30s. And then, but then that's it, right? That's where it stops. There's nobody here older than 30. Just kidding. So if you look at our church, we have a wide spectrum of people. It's almost like we don't even have double of anything. It's like we've only got one. So we better make it good. You could come into grace and love as, as an older person. I'm going to start there. And say, mm, this is just for young people right here. Your position is correct. You're an older person, but your timing is off. Because what if God is calling you to speak life into younger people? Like Brother Raul, when he called us up here to pray for us, for our fathers and for our mothers. What if you as an older person are being called to a church full of young people to be the first older people here to speak life into us? We need your help. We value you and we value your words. You could say, oh, I want to go where there's other old people. And that's okay. That's okay. I love old people. <laughs> and you could go there and you would be right and free in doing so. But what if God is calling you to a position today where you have a supply and we need it? To my younger people, you might come here and say, you know, Pastor Mario don't wear skinny jeans. And the worship team, they're all right. So you might come here as a young person looking for something particular, but what if God is calling you to influence? And we have an amazing worship team. We have an amazing pastor. But let's say you come here and you know about fashion and design, and you say, um, it's kind of ugly here. I'm going to go somewhere where it's, where, it's, where it's not the people, just, you know, the, the, the building. <laughs> And so people come here and they might say, no, this is not for me. But what if God is calling you to be an influence? What if God is calling you and saying, young person, you have something at your young age that maybe the older folk might need or the people your same age might need? Maybe you're a minority here. Maybe you feel for whatever reason, whether it be your, your nationality or your age or your skin color, whatever you, whatever you have ever felt, if you have ever felt like a minority here at this church. What if God is saying, you might be a minority, but I want you to make major impact? What if God is calling you to be the first of many to come? You could leave and say, I want to go with the crowd, but God didn't make you for the crowd. He made you to be a pioneer. And then maybe some of you are the majority. The easiest one here is we're all Latinos. We're all Hispanic. We could say, I want to go somewhere more multiculturated. But it could be that God is, is preparing us for influence over a wide range of people. See, the thing is, it doesn't matter where you find yourself. It's not the position that is inherently wrong, it's that we forget to discern the timing of our position. And naturally, sometimes what happens to us is that as human beings, we tend to abandon ship or jump ship because we don't like what we're seeing. This world has an issue with pain, for example. And if it hurts, I don't want to deal with it. Pop a painkiller, pop a drug, let me avoid this problem, let me avoid this situation. I don't want to talk about it, I don't want to hear it, I'd rather ignore it. But the moment that, that something or someone is no longer beneficial to us and we throw it away, we're doing what's easy instead of doing what's hard. That make sense?
So I'm almost done, actually. <laughs> so what I, that's kind of like the groundwork that I wanted to lay down. Um, we just had the election on, on Tuesday. And this is, you know, for those of you that were here last Sunday, and you heard Cynthia's uh, message, Politico, and uh, a brave and awesome message. Um, now this is the first message after the election. And like w when we were praying after worship that there's a lot of hurting people out there. There's a lot of afraid people, a lot of frustrated people, and a lot of people actually living from those emotions and feelings. I want to talk to you a little bit about how no matter what position you find yourself today, you are relevant to this world as the church of Jesus Christ. A lot of people are panicking, afraid, frustrated, and or angry. As children of God, we know very well that emotions and feelings are healthy. And they're healthy to express, but they make horrible leaders. When we're following Christ, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to panic. We don't have to be angry. Or if you are angry, be angry, but sin not, says the Bible. There is room for holy anger inside the kingdom of heaven. But the Bible says to, to not sin because of that anger. The issue is do we trust him enough to be at peace even when there's war around us? Sometimes we can say that we're Christian but be panicking. So in that moment, and we've talked about that, about this before. In that moment, it's quite simple. All you have to do is repent from the thinking. You have to repent, turn around from that sort of thinking. And just say, Jesus, can you show me where along the way I stopped following you? Because this is not who I am. I am a child of God. The kingdom, the domain that Jesus is king of, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, you live in it. You live in complete peace. And from that perspective, from a heavenly perspective, is where we're supposed to live our life. And that perspective says that there is no greater love than to lay down your life for a friend. So there are some people out there that are hurting and that are in need of friends, and we can be those friends. But to give you comfort and to give you courage, let me read you two verses that are wise, that are from a friend who expressed the ultimate love for you. Isaiah 51, 12. It says, I, yes, I, and the one who comforts you. So why are you afraid of mere humans who wither like the grass and disappear? Church, I tell you today, and for those of you listening to the podcast that are a part of our family, that are a part of the church, whether you go to Grace and Love or not, I say to you, did you get to where you are today because of a man? Or because of Jesus Christ? Did you achieve all that you have achieved? Because there was a certain party in power in our country. The answer is no. You achieved what you have achieved in life by the grace of Jesus Christ. Another couple of words from our good friend. John 15, 15. It says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. So tell me, church, should we be panicking? I can't hear you. Should we be panicking? Should we be afraid? 
Should we be lashing out out of anger? Our friend died for us so that we can live from his perspective for the rest of our life. No matter what's going on around us, we always remain the influencer, not the influenced. To be frank, before the election, uh, I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, I didn't know which way it was going to go. I already had set in my heart what I was going to select. But what I did do was uh, I did observe a lot of people. Uh, I observed a lot of apostles and prophets and pastors and evangelists and teachers that we look up to. Um, I talked to our pastors. I talked to some people here at our church that have the gift of prophecy, that have the gift of word of knowledge. And from a, a very, from, from a couple of days right before the election, it was like what God says right here in John 15, 15. I have called you friends. Everything that I learned from my father, I made known to you. And I felt such peace. And I could almost feel tangibly which way the election was going to go. That's how good God is. That he says, don't be afraid. Don't be worried. This is the way it's going to go. Now, man still had to exercise their free will because God doesn't ever override that. We still had to go and execute. But God is so good that he was letting us know what was going to happen. And it does not matter um, which way you voted. What I want to tell you is that you're children of God. So now I want to finish with some words that God spoke to me in the last couple of weeks. And the whole thing is that you are positioned, and if you get the timing right, you are in the position to be an influencer as a friend that lays down your life and does what is inconvenient and hard so that you could keep, uh, so that you could influence and bring that friendship to, to a healthy existence and to successful. So these are some of the words that God spoke to me, and he might be saying these words to you. Two weeks, uh, three weeks before um, the election, um, before this moment in, in, in our wonderful country, um, I'm the type of person that I yearn to see wrong things made right. Like, I really like to see things corrected, organized, clean, you know, bunched up and in where they should, where they should go. That's just the type of person I am, and I was praying, and God told me, son... You are, a justice, you are a justice guy. But before you speak or do anything, pass your thoughts through the mind of Christ, which is mercy and grace. So in this family, before we do anything, like Cynthia said last week, we pray. And though our heart may yearn and burn with justice and we want to make wrong things right, what we must first do is pass those thoughts and those actions through the mind of Christ which is mercy and grace. The other thing God told me is that he's bringing redemption, reformation, restoration, and revival to the church and the government of the United States. We will see lives redeemed, relationships redeemed. What, what unforgiveness is getting in the way of today, that is what we're seeing. What what unforgiveness is getting in the way of, we will see the redemption of the Christ sweep across this nation and we will see forgiveness turn a new page for our wonderful country and for our church. We will see reformation. We will see a government that empowers its people and serves its people and protects its people. We will see a church that, that moves from just having good services to bringing heaven on earth wherever they go. We will see restoration of families, of, of friendships. We will see restorations of this nation. And we, we will see churches restored to their royal, influential um, position. And when all of that is done, we will know what the meaning of revival is. The other thing that God told me, the last thing that I'll say is, really creatively God said, 
water goes where it's allowed to go until it has no more options. It then proceeds to overflow. I'll say it again. Water goes where it's allowed to go until it has no more options. It then proceeds to overflow. You have information and supply like the person in this story. And right now, what you're seeing is that you're gaining momentum and you're building up steam. And right now you're going into your place of work and you're going into school or into your families. And you're going where you have been allowed to go. But God is saying that there is a time coming where you will oversaturate those places. And the only natural thing to do after that is to overflow. Is that when it starts to rain, you start to see the little streams forming. But rain is coming that will drench and saturate our land and our churches. That we won't see little streams anymore. We're going to see flowing, rushing rivers in our families, in our churches, in our governments, in our companies, in our friendships, in everything that we are involved in. We will bring this river of God. And the further that we get away from the church, like it says in Ezekiel, the river will get deeper and wider and stronger and it will bring life and we will see trees. And as we do that, we will see the face of the planet renewed. But it starts with you, church. It really does. If we don't understand our heavenly position, how can we understand our earthly one? If we don't contemplate eternity, if we don't contemplate the eternity that we live in, we will not be relevant to culture, cities, and especially to a hurting world. It's all about perspective. And if we forgive, we can move on with that clear conscience of, uh, of Christ, that clear mind of Jesus Christ. Franklin uh, D. Roosevelt, I wrote this quote down. He said, men are not prisoners of fate, but of their own mind. You are not a prisoner. You are free once you came to Jesus Christ. Nothing can enslave you. Nothing. You are no longer a servant. You are a friend. And you have information that the world needs. There's one thing I want, I want you to do. I want you to sit down, close your eyes. It's been very tense out there. Um, like I said, there's, there's a lot of people going through different emotions, different things. And God gave me this word that really freed me up to exercise my freedom in this wonderful nation. And I want to release this word over you. And if you're feeling any guilt or any condemnation, it's going to get removed. And then you're going to share this word with other people. And you're going to bring redemption into their life. What God told me to tell you is that you are not who you voted for. What you are is a child of God. Who has supply, who has information, and who, yes, sometimes life happens. But you are a person that has friends and that has the best friend in the whole world. And if you would ask, seek, and knock, he will give you bread and wine. He will give you whatever it is that you need. He will teach you how to manifest this, how to manifest heaven on earth. Sometimes what hinders us is that we believe a lie. So while the worship plays with eyes closed, I want you to take a moment to ask God, Father, what lie have I believed about myself? Or what areas have I allowed to get comfortable that I need you to speak wisdom into? So ask him, Father, have I believed any lies about myself? Father, have I gotten too comfortable in any areas? Father, would you show me where I sat down so that I can stand up once again. Father, I pray that you would show each person here, God, that they are relevant and how they are relevant. That you would show them the position that they are to take.
that you would show them that they were born for such a time as this and that what may be inconvenient and what may be hard is possible because all things are possible with you, Lord. Father, I pray that you would send your angels, God, and with your Holy Spirit would just minister over these people today, God. I pour out your spirit, Father, on all this flesh that's in here tonight, God. That you would show them visions and dreams, Lord. That you would show them direction and where they are to go and what they are to do so that they could be effective the day of tomorrow, Lord. So that they could be effective and successful friends. If you need prayer, you can come up to the front. Why don't you go ahead and join me on your feet. If you're going through something, if something has shown up in your life that was unannounced, that you weren't expecting, in the form of bad news, or if you're experiencing something that you didn't foresee, I want you to come up to the front, and today is a good day to declare over that thing that it is gone in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Grace and Love Podcast. We hope you were blessed by this message. If you have a prayer request, we would love to hear from you. Please feel free to contact us. And if you're in the LA area, we would love to meet you. We have services Sundays at 2 p.m. and Fridays at 8 p.m. We are located at 1900 Medford Street, Montebello, California, 90640. Thanks again, and God bless you.